0: Grace, peace, and mercy is yours from the triune God. Amen. Amen. So Easter lasts uh, for 50 days for Christians. Most of the culture thinks it's over when we've managed to vacuum up the last of the long thin ribbons of green plastic Easter grass off the carpets and when the children have come down from their sugar highs. But long after the white sales at Macy's have ended, the church is still celebrating Easter. And you'll notice that for a holiday that is supposed to be about new life and resurrection and the glory of God and for some reason bunnies, we really get very little of that in the resurrection accounts in the Bible. But what we do get in the stories of Jesus appearing to his disciples after the resurrection is a great deal of fear and doubt and wounds and bread. There aren't a whole lot of answers in these texts, but for some reason there's a lot of broiled fish. Our reading for today finds the disciples gathered together three days after Jesus died. All they knew was that their friend and teacher and Lord was dead. And in the face of loss and everything they knew changing, they were scared and they were doubting. And this is understandable. And it was here that Jesus suddenly stood among them. And in their fear and disbelief, He doesn't judge them. He doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't try and convince them of the truth. He just offers himself. See my hands. Touch my feet. I am here. Don't be afraid. Let's eat some broiled fish. The truth is that Jesus is scary because as he makes clear to the disciples, you can't know him at a distance on your own private terms. You cannot think your way into knowing Jesus through the answers you find in your own private Bible study or through spiritualizing him as an otherworldly symbol. You can't know Jesus by spiritualizing him. Not the guy we read about today, who turns to his completely freaked out friends who have no idea what this all can mean and asks them the really crucial and deeply spiritual question of do you have any snacks? (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if what this text is saying to us is that If you get all transcendent and spiritual floating above the disappointingly broken physical world, you may just miss Jesus altogether because that's him over at the snack table. (laughs) Which is an embarrassing place to have the Lord hanging out. (laughs) But despite all our attempts to spiritualize, cleanse, and middle-class up Jesus, he just stands there eating broiled fish with his bare hands, holes and all. Reading this story this week about how the disciples were scared and doubting and really wanting some answers and getting nothing but broiled fish, I was taken back to when I was a student chaplain at a hospital, and how terrifying it was to think that I would be the person people expected to come up with a satisfying answer to why their husband was in a coma. I'll never forget my first experience in a trauma room. A motionless man in his 50s was on this slab, and they started doing things to him not meant for my eyes and sorely misrepresented on TV shows. (laughs) One nurse was cutting his clothes off, and another was hooking things up to him. And while a doctor was putting on gloves, I leaned over to the nurse closest to me and was like, Everyone seems to know what their job is, but what am I doing here? And she looked at my name badge from the chaplain's office, and she said, Your job is to be aware of God's presence in the room while we do our jobs. And it just didn't, it just didn't seem like enough. (laughs) Then later in the little white room with just enough space for four love seats and as many boxes of tissue, I'd sit with people in their loss. I would stand by and witness the disfiguring emotional process we politely call grief. And I had no answers. I'd bring them water, Make some calls for them, keep bugging the doctors to give us more information, but words of wisdom I had none. People wanted answers, or maybe it was just me who wanted answers, but I soon learned that all I had to offer was my presence and a glass of water and a cliff bar. And only later did I realize that's just what Christianity is. As many of you know, Travis, a young man in this congregation, He was baptized a couple weeks ago at our Easter vigil, and then the very next day he ended up on a plane home because his father had mysteriously ended up in the ICU. Many of us have been praying for Travis and his family for a couple weeks, and we were devastated to find out that his father died on Thursday. His father's death was sudden and unexpected, and Travis and his family have simply been robbed. While talking to Travis on the phone Thursday, I found I just didn't have much to say, and honestly, I had to fight the urge to say something, even if it was stupid, just so I could feel like I had something to say. But that never helps. You hear a lot of nonsense in uh, hospitals and funeral homes. God has a plan. We just don't know what it is. Maybe God took your daughter because he needs another angel in heaven. But when I've experienced loss and I'm feeling so much pain, it feels like nothing else ever existed. The last thing I need is a well-meaning but vapid person to say, when God closes a door, he opens a window because then it makes me want to ask exactly where is that window so I can push them the hell out of it. (laughs) And this is the kind of nonsense that spawned from bad religion. And usually when you're grieving and someone says something so vapidly optimistic to you, it's really about them. It's about the fact that they simply cannot allow themselves to entertain the finality and pain of death. So instead, they turn it into a precious moment's greeting card. This isn't exactly uncommon. In moments of grief and loss, we're afraid when we're afraid and doubting and we want answers just like the disciples did three days after Jesus died... But all anyone can really do is be with us and make some casseroles. And when that's all we have to offer, it can feel like it's not enough. But the truth is that that is Christianity. Our presence and stories and meals and defiantly believing that death is simply not the last word. An Episcopal priest once said that Christianity isn't... Spiritual, it's material. You can't even get started without a loaf of bread, some wine, and a river. (laughs) Jesus comes to his followers then and now in our grief and loss and doesn't give us answers. In our fear and disbelief, he doesn't judge. He doesn't rebuke. He doesn't try and convince us of the truth. He just offers himself. See my hands. Touch my feet. I am here, don't be afraid, let's eat. And as the body of Christ, this is what you do for each other as well as for the world that God loves madly. Your tweets and Facebook messages and texts and emails to Travis this week while he's grieving in Iowa are a witness It's a witness to a God who promises to be with us. And in those prayers for our grieving brother, we don't offer any answers. We just claim that promise as our own. What's been so hard is not being able to bring him food, honestly, because he's in Iowa. But we can get to that when he gets back. We might think that knowing Jesus means not being fearful and not having doubt, but you can't know Jesus by spiritualizing him. He's made known when we gather and tell the story and share food at his table. It's common, it's simple, and somehow it really, really is enough. Amen.